Hey, welcome back to Talk for Freedom. This is Cesar Lopez with uh, A21 Freedom Chasers. And this is Chuck Paul with Chuck Paul LLC. We have an exciting episode for you today. We're actually going to interview uh, Julie Strench, Dr. Julie Strench from RMYA. So um, we're super excited to find out a little bit more about what they're doing uh, in RMYA and uh, the care continuum um, that they do as well. So we're going to go ahead and kick it off. So I have the honor today of introducing you to Dr. Julie Strench, who is the Chief Programming Officer for Roy Moss Youth Alternatives and the architect of many of her, their current programs. And we have the honor to talk about the entire care continuum because as you know, we have been talking about how to help survivors of human trafficking, how to give them resources, how to connect them within community, or well, Roy Moss Youth Alternatives is very special in that they have a full care continuum to treat young people from zero to 24 years old, to give them the resources they need to only not only prevent human trafficking, but to help those who have suffered from it to become not only survivors, but thrive and heal in a loving, caring environment. So Dr. Strunch, can you tell us a little bit about your organization? Sure. <clears throat> I'd like to start a little bit with our history because in order to talk about what we do as a care continuum, we kind of have to talk about where we came from. And Roy Moss was our first and founding executive director. And what he did um, was to kind of apply for a grant called the Runaway and Homeless Grant. We still get that grant today, known as the Basic Center Grant. And uh, it founded and started the Bridge Emergency Shelter. So that's what we were known as. That's our official first name. Uh, and then over time, Roy developed a relationship with the um, Optimist Club of San Antonio, and they were trying to start a program called Girlsville, which was in direct response to Boysville uh, that's here in Converse, Texas. Um, Boysville at the time was only allowed to have boys, and obviously they decided that girls needed long-term a long-term residential place to stay and so we combined with girlsville the optimist club and the bridge uh, emergency shelter to form youth alternatives and that was just really the launching step of the beginning of this continuum we're going to talk about so eventually we got the junction program and then we and we formed in our we opened an rtc and we were all over the city of san antonio in houses and the um, crazy thing about that was Roy's dream was that we would have shared space so we could share staff and resources. So in 1986, he formed uh, the 900 Club. So 900 people donated $1,000. Some donated more. Um, and we purchased um, land out in Bernie, Texas to form the Meadowlands. And uh, there we stayed for a good, a good period of time. And it was in... Um, 2000 that we formed um, some other programs that we'll talk about in the continuum but i think the heart of um, building a continuum of care started there and i just want everybody to know that part right because roy moss youth alternatives goes back to 1976 that's right so so they have really perfected what it is that youth need. They've got to see all the different trends. They've got to see all the different models. They've got to see what's happening to young people. And, and the amazing thing is, is that to hear that back in 1976, Roy 
identified what was going on then, which is exactly some of the same problems we're seeing today to why young people are being exploited and taken advantage of. You hit the the nail on the head, Chuck. Um, I think Roy was a trailblazer in the 70s, and um, he's given uh, the people that have worked with him since then, and we're really fortunate to have a number of employees that knew Roy, and me included. And so, um, you know, we've taken those principles and the guiding principles that he developed, and we've used those uh, the um, those things over time to really um, look at what we don't do well and to continue to improve to do the best work we can for kids. And it's all based on three things that Roy said that kids needed. They need someone to love, they need something to do with their time, and they need hope. They need something to look forward to. And so our care continuum is all about that. And that's absolutely amazing in that, you know, Roy has this vision and it's going on today, but it has really expanded. I mean, it has expanded immensely. Not only does a youth have an opportunity to get help at the emergency shelters, but they can get long-term care and even all the way up to age 24. But when we say zero, we're not talking about housing infants. What we're talking about is our Family Counseling and Resource Center. That's right. So um, as we keep looking at the gaps and trying to refine what services and what it means to create hope and healing for children, we start looking at what are the needs of the city of San Antonio, because that's a, that's our direct response is how does the community of San Antonio and the surrounding counties um, uh what do they need from us so that we can make uh, features better for our kids? So this, the Community Counseling Center, uh, we decided we for a long period of time, we served kids from 5 to 17, and that's where we stopped. But the problem was is that if you don't start early enough, then you keep getting kids from 5 to 17. And if you don't keep the other problem on the other end is that developmentally, many of our kids are not ready to be on their own at 18. You know, they haven't had the family connections and the um, they don't have people that are willing to help them out if they get stuck. So when our kids were turning 18, um, back in the 90s, we realized they weren't going to end up on the street. So we opened a turning point program. So that's kind of how some of those services expanded. But the zero, we want to help parents who are new moms and dads to be able to be prepared for what it's like to raise a child in the um, 21st century and um, in a new millennium with new technology issues that we never faced when we were younger. I didn't face. I didn't have to deal with the social media issues and and the intense bullying and the fact that you you know we had bullying in school, right? But five schools next door didn't know what I was doing because it was it was more of a small community. And now, you know, someone can know that a kid did something and and neighborhoods in other states can know what happened, what happened with Reagan at the Reagan High School just a couple of days ago or a couple of weeks ago. Those things are impacting people all over the United States. And so we're just trying to help new parents begin to deal with that so that they don't end up being frustrated and needing to have kids removed from their home. 
And it's amazing. You know, I have the blessing that I get to work at Roy Moss Youth Alternatives. We're like, pretty excited about that. <laughs> and, and like all of you know, you know, this is my volunteer podcast with Caesar. But that I, my my paid job is Dr. Julie Strange is my boss, and I work at Roy Moss Youth Alternatives. So every day, I get to see families from our community walking in that front door, that family counseling and resource center, and their problems span from a youth being bullied to a youth having behavioral issues that may be based in trauma, to a young mom and dad going, okay, we have a baby now, what do we do? And all of this gets addressed with trauma-informed counseling at the counseling center, parenting classes. And then the, what's amazing is there's that right up front, you have your resource caseworker sitting up front. That's, yeah, all of this stuff is adapted in the last four years. So I came back, you know, I, I think, your your um, listeners might have heard that I've done this for a long time and I knew Roy. So this is my second go around with Roy Moss Youth Alternatives. I left in 2002 and, you know, went on and got my um, uh, license as a professional counselor. I worked in communities and schools and educa- education and prevention issues. And I taught you know, at the university at St. Mary's University for uh, eight years before coming back here. So when I came back here, our counseling center had two therapists and we maybe saw 50 to 100 families. Today, we have over seven therapists. We have a resource case manager for those because counseling doesn't fix it all, right? There are other resources that some of our families need in order to be successful. And that resource case manager is able to connect them to those additional resources without sending them to another place. We can help them make those connections so that they'll be um, able to get all of the things they need to help take care of their children. Um, we uh, we have over 700 in families and growing that we're working with. Uh, in turn, we work with communities and schools, and we have clinicians going and helping uh, in the schools along with their case managers. So it's a really exciting time for our counseling center. And they see kids all the way up to 22. Um, uh, so even some of our, our kiddos that leave us can still come back and get services and uh, when they become parents, uh, j- just so that they can help um, make sure they're going in the right direction. And, you know, when I hear folks, they're, they're going, oh, that's great. No, but I can't afford counseling. They don't have to. Uh, most of our uh, most of our families qualify for free counseling through um, VOCA, which is the Victims of Crime Act, or through a United Way um, a program um, called, I forget what it's called, Ready Children. Ready uh, Children Ready 0 children. to 8, mm-hmm. Successful Students That's 16 right. to 24. Ready Children. So most of our, like I would say probably about 95% of our families qualify for those services. And those that don't, we have interns that are learning to be counselors so they provide free counseling to the other individuals that don't qualify for those services so i have a question um, mm-hmm. just listening to all the services that you all offer what would you say to um maybe those parents or those families that like culturally just have been taught to not seek out counseling because it's a culture thing great question and as a clinician and i've been a clinician for mm, almost 20 years now and primarily in um 
like I worked in the Edgewood School District and my private practices have always been in communities that uh, actually don't you know, really like counseling is the last place to go. And I think of counseling a lot like prayer. Um, so uh, sometimes people don't understand what it is. They don't understand how to, to communicate, but they kind of need a mentor. And sometimes what I ask people to do is like, just come give it a try. You don't have to tell me anything, you know, really deep and personal. You can just come and get to know us. And maybe through that getting to know us, you think, oh, well, maybe this isn't as bad as I thought it was. And I can feel more comfortable because a lot of our clinicians are culturally uh, sensitive or they are from their culture and um, are able to uh, help them kind of navigate that um, feeling of uh, maybe they're being untrue to their roots mm -hmm. and, and help them navigate that process. Yeah, it's a great way to answer that. And I appreciate you going there because sometimes privacy and keeping things like secret is like a huge thing about culture. But I think it's amazing to our, our audience knows that they can help from zero, like they said, to even to one, over 20. Um, and so if you're maybe a new parent and you're trying to you know, navigate these waters of being a new parent in this society that is super hyperactive when it comes to social media and all this other stuff, it's, it's pretty cool that you find out that there's an organization out there that can kind of help you navigate that. Mm -hmm. And I just want to add that our counseling is all strength-based and trauma-informed. So there is no place where... Any, any one of our clinicians, our staff believe we have it all together. That's not what counseling is about. It truly is just being a, a person that can hear the, the strengths of what you're doing and help you access them to overcome the difficulties. And yeah. when you look at it from that perspective, that's like, wow, I just have somebody who's going to be on my side uh, to help me just be better at, wh at what I'm doing already. Yeah, that's perfect. And, and the one other thing I've noticed about the counseling center, which I think is amazing, is that I know that on average it takes about six months to see a pediatric psychiatrist here in San Antonio. Mm -hmm. While our counseling center has a, a psychiatric clinic every Thursday. That's right. Uh, so, yeah, that started uh, a few years ago, I think a little bit before I came back in 2016. Um, and the purpose of that is it's actually longer than six months. It can take upwards of a year. And so it really was designed for us to be that stopgap for kiddos that are coming out of the hospital that need continued psychiatric services. Uh, many psychiatrists are pulling away from Medicaid billing because it just isn't paying enough to run their practices. Um, and so we were trying to fill that gap and it's actually grown. Uh, it was a half-day clinic for new um, clients and follow-ups for about three months. We've had individuals that um, have stayed with us for a really long time because um, they love our they love our psych psychiatric interns, and uh, they get the counseling and the and the psychiatric services all at the same time. And all of that's free. It's paid. Um, Methodist Healthcare System uh, has uh, been a generous uh, partner in that. Uh, um, process and allowed uh, like really hundreds of kiddos to get st stable from a mental health perspective when they need some psychiatric support. And we use with my team over at the Central Secure Drop-In Center. We use the Family Counseling Center 
all mm-hmm. the time, especially when we have families discharge. Every youth that discharges from our drop-in center gets a safety plan, and often that means getting them engaged with the Family Counseling and Resource Center. And I know that Central is close to my heart. I know mm-hmm. it's close to your heart as it one is. of the architects. Um, let's talk about Central Seguro. We're another tier, another step in the care continuum. Mm-hmm. First drop-in center in the state of Texas to go 24 hours. Uh, as far as I know, it's the first 24-hour drop-in center specifically for traffic youth in the country. A true drop-in center model. But tell me a, bit, a little bit about Central Seguro. So Central Seguro was um, something that came up. Um, and, and it's a little funny story, so I'm going to out Chuck here a little bit. <laughs> and um, so back in 2016, right after I first started, there was this guy who was bringing people around to emergency shelters and telling them about the dangers of emergency shelters. And the way that was translated to us was really not in a way that we were like, well, who is this person coming to talk about our shelter and um, filming it with a newscaster? And so th- that was Chuck. And so, um, uh, you know, with our PR people, we were able to like kind of get the story stopped. And but that started a chain of events that led to today. And and I, I always know that God is good. And he um, he's the architect. He's the big architect. And so we had a. Um, a summit in December around trafficking because we were like, wow, so you really brought that issue to us. I mean, indirectly, we what you were trying to do, it worked. And um, so we had this summit and we met with the uh, Office of the Governor and Bear County Juvenile Probation, and they were looking to find an agency that could do a drop-in center. And I thought, you know, the Counseling Center actually used to do a drop-in center um, a long time ago with STAR grant services that we had. It was a daytime center. It wasn't overnight. And I'm like, you know, this isn't that hard. We can pair this with our counseling program. I think that, you know, the little bit I knew about trafficking at the time, you know, it made sense to me that we that we really deepened it into the clinical world, that we made sure that they had supports and that we were there. Because when we were trying to build this program, it was like, well, when are the kids going to show up and where are they going to be and how is that going to happen? And um, and so it didn't make sense to me to have a limited time or, you know, no weekends, like nine to five made no sense in my head. So, you know, we built it around the counseling center. Ideally, you know, the counseling center was open from eight in the morning till about eight at night most days. And so the purpose was to make the other 12 hours come together so it could be truly someone could come in the counseling center anytime and trafficked youth could get, you know, someplace to shower, some food and some clinical work. And it's exploded since then to some, it's really turned into something completely different. That's what it started with. Um, Bear County Juvenile Probation had probation officers assigned uh, initially. And, and so it's evolved. And now um, it's really a, a, a program that's kind of aligned with that original goal that Roy had of getting homeless street homeless kids off the street. It allows for us to do that, and it really allows for us to provide a deep and uh, uh, treatment based, trauma informed support, non in a non judgmental way, um, because there's it's not licensed the way the rest of our facilities are. So we don't. It's not like we don't have to follow rules. Obviously, we have to follow rules, and we want it to be safe. But we are not. Um, we're not bound to the same set of licensing minimum standards rules as um, 
as like the Bridge Emergency Shelter in La Puerta, as we'll probably talk about in a few minutes. So um, Centro is just a place where kids can come and they know that they're safe um, and uh, they'll get that shower, something to eat, clothes, and great people that care, really, truly, deeply care about what's happening to them. And that's something that some of these kiddos haven't felt for a really long time. Yes. So at Centro, we do, every youth that walks in the door gets an absolutely free assessment. We're going to figure out what's going on with them. We're also going to screen them for human trafficking. Mm -hmm. And they're also get the great opportunity of getting to talk to a licensed practical counselor within hours of walking through that door. We're also the natural safe place location for mm -hmm. the Alamo area, uh, which means that we have safe place sites around the entire area, like the Quick Trip stores and the YMCA's. But when they call for help, they're calling Centro, and that's who's coming out to pick up the child and bring them back to Centro Segura to get help. So we have become at Centro like the place where runaways, homeless, traffic youth go. Because prior to that, I mean, Julie, you know, prior to November of 2017, traffic youth were often incarcerated. That's right. And and it's really not the best place for them. I mean, it's not never some some kiddos may need to, you know, may need them that more rigid structure, but most of them just need somebody to come alongside them and just be, you know, there's a Snoopy cartoon that's one of my favorites and you see um uh, Snoopy and Charlie Brown just leaning in uh, against each other and they're not talking in the in the cartoon and at the end of it it says sometimes you just need somebody to support you and you don't need any words and I think Centro Seguro is kind of that thing that allows um, that the the case managers and the staff they just come up alongside and they provide that that really critical support in that truly trauma-based emergency, like an emergency room, and they get that stability. And then the kiddo can start to begin to think about what the future is going to hold and what the possible, where can they go? What do we need them to do? And we can begin to transition them um, to take that tactical pause and um, and think about what's the next best step and, and not just willy-nilly send them someplace else. And so that tactical pause sometimes means our kids are hanging around a little bit longer than we would like, right? Um, which led for us to co go to that next step and expand our emergency shelter services. So beyond the bridge, um, in uh, March of almost a year um, next month, um, in like, what, 17 days, I think, we'll uh, celebrate our one-year anniversary at La Puerta. And that is a emergency shelter that's designed primarily to support our trafficked and confirmed youth, um, or potentially trafficked and our confirmed youth, and a 90-day placement, uh, if they need it, to figure out where they need to go for that extra support, like if they need to go to residential treatment, which is really hard to find across the United States, not just in, in Texas. Because there's only three residential treatment facilities for trafficking survivors in Texas. Mm -hmm. One has about 48 beds, one has about 26 beds, and the other one has like six beds. And all of those only serve females. That's right. 
So what the problem we're running into is, as you know, not all of our victims are female. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the things that was different about our drop-in center was that we took it any child that walked in the door. So we cast a wide net and then we drill down into who is that clear concern. Uh, we use a see it tool to um, uh, screen uh, as a part of a screening tool. And so about 30 plus percent of our kiddos walking through that door score clear concern. And that's not just girls, it is boys. And so we've had both uh, girls and boys confirmed that walk through our program and you're right. Um, the emergency shelter is also uh, one of the only emergency shelters that I know that serves both boys and girls. But once we get past the emergency shelter, it is very hard to find placement for a boy that's trafficked. Yes, it's extremely difficult. And the case managers at Centro work with our partners in and around the community and the counselors that are at La Porta to try to find an appropriate placement for that young man or young lady that's leaving us which sometimes may mean returning to relatives without patient, mm-hmm. without patient services, or going to a specialized residential treatment center, as you heard us say, RTC, that's what that means. Now the SEE-IT tool that we use is actually stands for Commercial Sexual Exploitation Identification Tool. It's a series of questions that we ask in order to try to judge how much at risk a child is to trafficking. There's three different la- layers. There's no concern, possible concern, and clear concern. And what we're finding is the clear concern youth need a specialized place. That's what we have, Laporta. However, if we have a youth that's just running away from home and they, they have nowhere to go to because maybe their family's transient or something along those lines, or let's say a CPS youth or a juvenile justice youth, we still have our iconic bridge facility. That's right. That's right. For um, the, uh, we work closely with the juvenile pro- uh, Bear County Juvenile Probation and other probation departments in the state to provide assistance as needed. And then um, uh, Bear County Sheriff's Department. Uh, like if you have a kiddo that you need um, to get services, and we have a bed available and staff to care for it, we're going to do it. Um, and then for those kiddos that need more, um, we have our Meadowland Treatment Facility and General residential operation out in uh, Bernie, Texas. It's a beautiful campus. Um, You know, I encourage people if you've never seen it, you know, it's easy to get to our San Antonio campus and anyone's welcome to schedule a tour and come by and stop by. It's, it's, it's gorgeous too. But in Bernie's just another level, it's a different level. And uh, we have 43 acres out there. Um, six different uh, cabin facilities. We serve children from ages six to 17. Uh, and by that, I mean, we only intake children from those age ranges, but we do have young men and women who um, will turn 18 while they're in care with us and we will continue to keep them um, safe and work with them and get them through school. In addition to um, uh Uh, the services that we have um, and the beautiful campus that we uh, provide. Uh, We have a a huge gymnasium that the Spurs built for us uh, many years ago. It's full court um, basketball. Um, We have a pool for the kids to play and and a skate park for them to, to have activities. It's really um, idyllic. 
Um, we also have a charter school. We have the Meadowland District Charter uh, School. So we have the Oaks Academy out in Bernie and Stepping Stone Acad Academy in San Antonio. And so for those kiddos that a traditional school, um, public education is just not good for them, that, uh, you know, large classrooms, not a lot of support makes them agitated and um, makes it hard from a behavioral health perspective for them to be successful. We have small classrooms with a small student-teacher ratio, and our kids are usually very successful. Some of our kids have gone on to go to college, uh, and one, a couple of kids have even graduated from college and are now teaching. So it's really exciting to see our charter district. It's been around for 11 years now, um, what they're, they're capable of doing. Um, all kids that are in state foster care, uh, if they go through PALS program and um, and just enroll in one college class, it can be dual credit in high school. They have education, access to education at the college level in any state school for the rest of their life. So they can go all the way to get their PhD um, at any point in time that they want to. And for us, it's really critical that we give our children every opportunity because more often than not, when they graduate, when they move, leave us at 18 or 19, they're not really ready for that college education at that time. They've got to be, they're like any normal uh, 18 year old. Those are your listeners that have 18 year olds are like probably like laughing right now when they hear me um, because they want to go out and explore the world and they've had lots of structure and lots of uh, people telling them what to do and so if they go out in the world and they don't have in all of this to fall back on once um, once they turn I think it's 23 all of those services go away and they can't have access to them so we want to make sure before they leave us we give them every opportunity for that and that segues very nicely into our next section because we know that we get that youth that ages out at age 18. They're like, okay, hey, I'm out of here. Boom. And usually we see them about six weeks later and they're applying for our turning point program. Exactly right. In fact, um, back in that time when I used to work here before, um, we actually had, um, we tried to make 18-year-olds uh, work at Meadowland and we have a, a cabin called the Log Cabin. If, you, if anybody comes by to visit, they'll understand what I mean. And upstairs was the second level and they had apartments up there we actually had kiddos living in a transitional living program upstairs above the log cabin and it just didn't really work and the reason it didn't is it was still too close to that license program with all the structure and rules and those of us that were working in the building were probably still you know we weren't giving them the chance to be the young adults they needed to be we're, we're still treating we're like any parent we're still treating them like kids so that transition to us buying a home behind the bridge and expanding into our turning point program that serves youth 18 and now to 24 uh, in a new collaboration with uh, the city of San Antonio and Next Level Reengagement Center and Goodwill. Um, we're working all the way with youth through through 24. And um, the great thing about that is we have like um, uh, it's kind of like a pathway. So you know what I know from brain development is that our young adults. Um, because of the traumas and the hurts, they're really probably a couple of years younger um, 
behaviorally and from an IQ because they've developed the, the things that happened to them when they were younger slowed their developmental process. And so they need a little bit of extra time to catch up. Um, and the good thing is, is they begin to catch up fairly quickly as they start becoming adults if we provide the right scaffolding and structure. So Turning Point allows for that, um, for them to begin to mature, to make, um, to start uh, getting a job, finishing school, and learning that like 30% of your income has to be um, put aside to live. And you're going to have to have fun on whatever little bit that's left over. So we teach them how to manage a budget. We teach them how to um, uh, get a bu- you know, get on the bus if they don't have a car. We teach them how to use their, take their meds because all of that was done for them uh, as part of the rules of the state of Texas, the systems that they live in in residential care or foster care. So, um, uh, turning point is kind of like that next when we were 16 to 18 as we're starting to pull away for our adults we um, can do that from 18 to about 22 23 24 and they start really closely case managed and then over time we begin to take the scaffolds away and give them more and more of independency so that when they get to what we call our uh, red house or the coiner house Uh, The Coiner House is a place where they've kind of graduated, they've met all their goals, and they're ready to find their own apartment or living uh, experience without um, the case management that comes along with Turning Point. That's because Turning Point is expanding from not just one house to six houses now. Yeah, we're about, uh, as soon as the the sixth house house comes online, we'll be able to serve uh, about 32, 33 kids um, uh, in, in those homes. We're slowly creeping up the block, Julie. I know, I know. I, I, I'm sure the, those families know eventually. I think we'll have that whole little cul-de-sac. Um, and then, you know, probably upwards of 50 to 60 um, kiddos that could live back there. And that doesn't just end that continuum of care because we have up front our thrift store, mm-hmm. which is our primary location for in-kind donations. So that means like any one of you that are listening today going like, I really want to help. I want to donate clothing or furniture or power tools or something like that. They can bring it to our thrift store Tuesday mm-hmm. through Saturday and our thrift store will go through it, what we can use in the programs with the different shelters and turning point and out of residential programs, they'll take those there. But what we can't use that's sold at the thrift store, and that's money that goes to help support our children. Exactly. Um, people can, you know, come in and connect through volunteering, uh, uh, mentoring, or really looking for mentors to be um, connected to our, particularly our trafficked youth, but any of our youth. Tutors, those are all things that are needed as ways of connecting in. But I also want to highlight our really great ability to connect with other partners. You heard us talk about a resource case manager. You've heard us talk about case management. We have great partnerships with uh, universities. UT Health is the the um, 
school that brings in our psychiatric uh, interns. We have great partnerships with our pharmacies. Our Rock Pharmacy in Bernie, uh, Texas, uh, works diligently to make sure our kids have our medication when they need them. And if we have gaps uh, in ability to get medication, they've provided courtesy doses to help our kids stay stable. Um, we have amazing um, board members and can uh, that have uh, that reach out to other uh, uh, partners. Uh, and we have like the people that are sitting here today, like we have great resources. I'm a firm believer in the African proverb, it takes a community to raise a child. And it really does every single day. We, we look at the need and try to respond to the need, but we can't do that without amazing partners like, uh, a21 freedom chasers and churches and just everyday people that it is important to make sure that all of our children have the opportunity for the best the best life possible and that includes like with uh, what we're doing with trafficking we're mm -hmm. we're long-term members roy moss youth alternatives is long roy moss youth alternatives is long-term members with the adult area coalition against trafficking working directly with the governor's office now reporting to the governor's office and giving like cutting edge information about what's happening with youth and trafficking because we've really been kind of the testing ground for like new ideas and ways of working with young people exactly and beyond that we work with our law enforcement partners and juvenile justice partners and medical professionals and mental health professionals and advocates like baptist children and families family uh, tapestry and their common thread program exactly and we just met the other day to talk about how we can you know like that's a, the great thing that we do with our partners is we are really transparent and we meet with our agent partner uh agencies uh, we meet with our volunteers and interns, the people that, you know, care about us and, and we care about them. And, you know, what what can we do better? What, do, you know, maybe we thought we had it right and it didn't, re it wasn't received that way. And so we want to hear um, from people because our, we're open and transparent. We don't mind talking about what our, what our struggles are and what our, um, what our rewards are. Um, we just want um, to be the, the best and constantly improving in the way that we can. And, and we know that we're never going to be a hundred percent. We know we're human. Everybody that's associated with uh, RMA, we're all just human and we're doing the very best that we can. And so we just want to keep improving to be, to be better every day. And that means like working very closely with the children's shelter and their family tapestry program to make mm -hmm. sure that kids are placed where they should be placed and kids that are getting the, the type of resources. Because I mean, not every child would function well in an emergency shelter or a group home or residential treatment. So we work very closely with our partners and then in CPS with the government. Mm -hmm. Where I, I feel like uh, San Antonio, and it's the one thing I love about San Antonio, is we are the, you know, the, the, the biggest little city, you know, everybody knows everybody. And, um, and we, we just truly try to work together um, and, and make connections. And so I like to think of our partnering agencies as part of our team. They're just extended pieces of what we're doing. And I hope they think the same in reverse. So um, like Family Tapestry just thinks we're an extended part of their team. So because that's the only way the wraparound process that, pro, that has everybody looking at that 
that kiddo and providing an individualized plan that's going to help that child be successful. That's how they're not going to fall through the gaps anymore. And it was because they were falling through the gaps. Why that was because of those gaps in the system. The system's not talking to each other. That's right. Why we had human trafficking issues. Exactly. Traffickers prey on the fact that we have our red tape systems that prevent kids from getting services and it makes them feel unwanted and um, uh, and afraid to ask for help and not and untrusting. Uh, What I've learned in the longer work that we've done with trafficked kiddos is that there is a key point in every child's journey with us that they know that it has to end with us, but that partnering agency has to be ready to take up the mantle and transition them so that the the trust that they've learned with us continues to blossom and grow. And if there's not something on the other end to take them along that journey, that little bit of a seed of hope that was beginning to grow will quickly go away. And so we just have to get ex- better v- extraordinarily crisp at um, making sure the kid gets through that line of support services so that that they feel um, accepted when they're ready to make that change. And it's just, it's so beautiful when they start making that change. And I've seen that change happen with our care kits, which, you know, A21 Freedom Chasers Mm -hmm. supports. I mean, they provide a lot of the materials for the care kits, which is thousands of dollars in materials. They provide a lot of the volunteers to pack those because they've come alongside of our Roy Moss Youth Alternatives and partnered because they know that with the street outreach program that Roy Moss Youth Alternatives does, we run into hundreds of kids each and every month. And sometimes the best way to break the ice with them is to be able to give them something tangible to start helping them out. Exactly. That somebody would, you know, and I've had the honor of going with Chuck out on the street to take the care kits and we're like, we've got backpacks. Like imagine, you know, two people with like 15 backpacks rolling around their back and we're walking into McDonald's and (laughs) down the street. People are looking at us like we're crazy. But to see the kids think that we care enough and the people that, you know, uh, that are putting these pack these backpacks together and the notes that um, they send that they care enough to do all this work and to look kind of foolish to be, you know, to be honest and blunt um, that we'll walk in and we'll say hi to somebody and we care enough to do that. You can see it in their faces when you first connect with them. It is a humbling experience to do that. And uh, I'm glad that we get to. One story in particular, Julie, that comes to mind is, is you, you met a, one of the street youth friends of mine. Uh-huh, big, yes. Big kid. Oh, my gosh. He was so cool. I loved it. <laughs> He's a big, <laughs> large young man. And if you looked at him on the streets, you would think, oh, he looks kind of scary. He, you know, that you would know that he's a child. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it, the way he acted once, and he immediately took to Julie, which is weird because he usually doesn't take anybody. But uh, the way he reacted, all of a sudden, even though he had this giant of a person sitting in front of you, he was more like a nine-year-old. He was. He was. He showed me his true self. He was. He was really. Um, uh, it was really an honor and and really again humbling to talk to him and his willingness to be honest and forthright with me um, uh, from somebody who's had so many things happen to him uh, and to feel like that. Uh, he would trust me enough to tell tell me his story. Uh, it was an honor to hear it. 
and, and that's just how every single day look at as all of us in this room as partners are touching the lives of just one person not just one but several persons I mean I heard some crazy number like 80,000 families and children have been served at Roy Moss Youth Alternative since 1976 so yeah. is that about right uh, yeah a little more like 82,000 <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we serve last last year we served 16 over 1600 families in just one year. So, you start adding those numbers up and and it gets it's it gets uh huge. And we're not that's just the numbers that touched us and that we have a file or a name associated with it. You know, the butterfly effect says there's so many more families that we've touched indirectly because of, of what we did, the work we've done over the last 40, almost 44 years. That's amazing. Um, the impact you all are having on our youth, you know, here in San Antonio, which to me is, you know, the world that we live in, I think we need more uh, we need more programs like these uh, in different cities, you know, that are, can reach our youth that are troubled. You know, a lot of um, them don't know where to turn for help. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes uh, the sad reality is that they end up, you know, taking their lives at younger and younger ages. But it's it's amazing that San Antonio has this resource of RMYA to be able to, to help. Um, that's amazing. So if, if we have... If someone that is listening to us is young, you know, and they're going through something, how can they reach out to you? If there's a family that is listening and they have uh, some troubled youth in their home, how can they reach out? How can they get help? So they can call us at 210-340-8077 uh, and, and hit the extension for the counseling center and uh and uh, we can we can write it, you know, do appointment during regular hours. But if it's an emergency and a crisis, they can call us at 210-340-8090. And that's a 24-hour hotline. Well, you'll get somebody on the phone. We can talk you through what services we provide and what we can do immediately. And then if, uh, you know, somebody doesn't have a number, but um, like a, an ability to call, but or they prefer to text, they can text for... Um, for help uh, and uh, put in and they'll when they send the text in they'll get a response back and asking for their zip code and then they'll tell them where the nearest place to go is and we'll go meet them there awesome and that's that list of safe places that you were mm -hmm. talking about Chuck right mm -hmm. all they gotta do is just text the word safe to 44357 which is for help and even if they get on to that text messaging service and they realize they want to make a voice call they just hit the hyperlink when it pops up say where to go and it'll call that 210-340-8090. Okay, awesome. And if they want to just drop by, can they drop by as well? Sure. Anybody can walk in and get services. Um, Where are you guys located? We're located off of 3103 West Avenue at the corner of West Avenue and Bassey. <laughs> awesome. Okay. So to our listeners, you have um, great resources here in San Antonio that uh, are here to help um, you don't have to do this alone. You're not alone. Um, you you have people that can help, uh, you know, provide you with counseling services. Like they said, all these sorts of activities to make sure that our youth are successful, um, you know, growing up and being able to talk about the problems that they're facing, whether it's at school, at home, doesn't matter wherever you're at. Uh, anything else that you want to leave our uh, listeners and audience with? So one thing I'd like the listeners and audience to hear is that you can go to the Roy Moss Youth Alternatives, rmya.org, 
website and learn more about the organization, how you can help, how you can volunteer. There's actually a link there where you click on to volunteer. There's another important link. That important link says jobs. So I know that right now there's somebody out there that's listening to this going, I want to do that. That's really cool. Guess what? We want you to help help us do this. We want you to come join us. Click on that link that says jobs. Take a look at opportunities that we are currently hiring for. I know that we have a huge need all the time for people with big hearts and people with patience and kindness to come work directly with our young people. And then there's another tab that you can go to. That one says give. And that one that says give is that's very important tab because it takes a lot of money to provide all of these different programs. Now, of course, Roy Moss Youth Alternative spends a lot of time working on grants, working on partnerships, working with foundations, but there is a quite a bit of resources financially that they need to gather to make sure that we help pay for these programs. And something as simple as light bulbs and toilet paper can be very important when you don't mm-hmm. have them. It's very true. Julie, do you have anything else you'd like to add? I just want to say that anybody interested in employment, we're not just about employment. We're about growing people and making them uh, into leaders into the San Antonio community, whether it's within our own agency or another one. And I just have a really happy announcement that I want to talk about today because over the last couple of months, Chuck and I have been co-interim directors for uh, Centro Seguro. And I'd like to announce um, that tomorrow on March 1st, he will officially be the director of outreach services and CST services for Roy Moss Youth Alternatives. I can't be, um, Chuck is a, 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 the passion and um, his ability to connect with our kids, it's unparalleled. And I, it's been an honor and a privilege to watch him grow and develop over the last couple of years with us almost now. And I, I, can't, I can't think of a better person to lead this charge. Congratulations, Chuck. Thank you. He's got more work. <laughs> but, but that's awesome because Chuck has a huge heart. He has a huge heart to help um, people in our city, um, you know, help youth. And so I think, like you said, he's the perfect man for the job. And uh, we know you're going to be super successful. Thank you. Oh, okay. <laughs> a lot of emotion, but he's, no, thank he's you. tearing up, but yeah. um, that's because he's just such a passionate guy and um, and he's done so much to, um, you know, transition the, the Centro Seguro in just the last few weeks. And, and it's, it's just been wonderful to work with him. And I look forward to more wonderful days coming for- forward and all the hard work because you're right. He's right. It's ours, right? It's more work. <laughs> we have more work to do because this this job is never done. Yeah, but it's it's a good type of work. And so, uh, Julie, want to thank you for being here with us and really talking about what RMY is doing and uh, the continuum care. It really is that is that uh, community that continuing care for uh, anyone who is going through something. Um, you know, especially our youth. And so, thank you so much for sharing this. I know our audience is uh, receiving a plethora of information and resources, and on um, so is our youth. And so, we're just happy that um, we have. Uh, Uh, 
the vision that Roy Moss cast many years ago is still going on and it's going to continue to to go as well. And so thank you so much, Chuck. Again, thank you so much for the work that you're doing here with our podcast. Um, And we also want to just say thank you to uh, City Church, who has been providing us this space uh, to uh, record our podcast for the last uh, few few episodes as well. So thank you to our listeners. Don't forget to rate us. Um, Please rate us. Let us know how we're doing. Leave us a comment. Uh, Go on iTunes um, uh, or Google Play and you can rate us on there. Visit our website, um, uh, a21freedomchasers.org or Chuck Paul LLC. Leave us some feedback. Um, We have a new Instagram account for Talk for Freedom podcast. So follow us on there as well. Any any feedback that you want to share, any questions that you have, please, please let us know. We want to bring you new and exciting content as well. So until next time, thank you so much.